You know, um, I think Brent would um, concur with this. <clears throat> the problem as a musician at this time of year that you have is this, there's too much you want to sing. There's too much great material. There's too many great hymns. There's too much that has been written over the years that is uh, such a joy and a pleasure to sing, to express your heart at this time of year. There's another old haunting spiritual that we've sung for years. <clears throat> and it's a spiritual that asks the question, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble. Tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? There's other verses that go on to tell the story of what took place in this most significant aspect of our Christianity. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? In that whole verse. And then were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there when he rose up from the grave? Well, of course, the literal answer for all of us is no. No, we, we weren't actually there. We weren't actually present at the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And yet there is another answer that is also correct, and that is this. Yes, we were there. We were there because in a very real way, it was my sin and your sin that placed Jesus upon the cross because he had already looked down the annals of time, and he knew who you were. He knew who I was and what I was to be and what you were to be. He knew everything that we would ever do or say or be that would violate the holiness of God. And he said, lay it on me now. I choose to pay for it. So in a very real way, yes, we were there. Isaiah 53 says, tells us that the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 2 Corinthians 5 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 6 speaks of us being united with Christ through baptism into both Jesus' death and into his resurrection. And we know that that's, that's the symbolism. But we, we go down under the water as if going into the grave, and we're raised up out of the water as an act of participating in the resurrection of Jesus. So yes, we were there. Our sin was placed upon Jesus as he hung upon the cross. <clears throat> It was in the year uh, 2005, I believe, that we refurbished this sanctuary, and we changed the look of it quite significantly. The carpet, the pews, colors of the walls, the stage was expanded. Pretty much top to bottom, everything was changed. Even the stone that you see around uh, this room and in the baptistry was something that was put in at that time. Pastor Des was the senior pastor when this was taking place, and I don't really recall him wanting to have much input into the choices that were to be made about the colors and the carpet and the pews and such. And in fact, we used to work pretty hard at keeping him out of decisions like that because his answer always was, if you ask him what color, he would say, I want canary yellow. How many remember Des always say, I, I want canary yellow? That was his way of saying, don't ask me. <laughs> And we didn't because he was going to pick canary yellow. So he stayed out of most of that to my understanding. 
until it came to that cross right there. First of all, he felt strongly that there would be one very visibly evident in this room and that it would not be left out. And the second thing that I know Pastor Des had a strong feeling about is that it would not be a pretty cross, all smooth and artistically refined as is uh, sometimes the way done in churches today. That might be fine for others, but for us, the cross that we would put up would be rugged and it would maintain a measure of the character and the disgrace and the suffering, the pain, the reality, remembering what our Lord did for us. You know, we sing the old rugged cross, or we sing, thank you for the cross, Lord. The cross is the symbol of Christianity. You see it on top of church steeples. Ladies wear them as jewelry or necklaces, and even some men sometimes do that as well. You see them as wall decorations, for the cross is clearly the center point of our faith. And there is the sense that as believers, we never get too far from it, even as we walk through all of the church calendar. However, on this night, this night that we call Good Friday, we view it with greater depth. We view the cross with greater depth. On this night, we look closely at its incredible significance to those of us who have accepted the work of Christ on our behalf. And so, in just a few minutes, I'm not going to speak long, but I'm going to invite you to come to the cross tonight. There's an invitation that is being put out before you. Would you come to the cross to reflect on what Jesus did, to reflect upon His death and what it means for you and for our world? But as I ask you tonight to come to the cross, I have to bring it to you honestly, and I have to bring it to you very real. And if I do that, which I said I'm going to do, then I have to make it very, very clear, and that is this, God hates sin. God hates sin. The Bible is clear. He loves the sinner, but he hates sin. We so greatly enjoy talking about him being a God of love, and yes, he is, and that's the popular message today. Some would say, oh, pastor, if, if you want the church to grow, be sure that you present a God who provides all the warm fuzzies that we feel that we want and, and that we need, because that's the popular message that people want to hear, as if God is somehow just floating around in the sky somewhere, and He's just happy with everything that we do and everything that we are, and even our sin. But I'm reminding you tonight, God hates sin. It's why we're here tonight, church. Many don't want you to talk about the fact that there is a standard. There's a standard in the Word of God, and that standard is a standard of holiness. Oh, Dan, don't talk about the fact that God hates sin. Just remind everybody that God is a God of love. Well, He is a God of love. And I would say this to you, never is His love more graphically displayed than in what we see on the cross, church. But we cannot possibly understand or even appreciate the love of God until we understand and have some understanding of the wrath of God and the fact that God hates sin. Exodus 32 speaks of the fact that he burns with a, a, a white, hot wrath, a rage towards sin. He despises it. He's angered by it. And that white, hot anger 
from the God of the universe is aimed directly at you and directly at me until the cross. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, church. There are people who will not become Christians because they say, you mean I'm so bad that Christ had to die for me? The answer is yes. Yes. Some people simply will not humble themselves to accept Christ's salvation. They say, you know, I'm, I'm basically a good person. I live a good life. I, I just need a little help around the edges maybe. And some people have really big edges. Have you noticed that with me? Well, here's the simple story of the cross. God hates sin. He wants to annihilate it, annihilate it forever. He hates what it does to us. And it stirs his wrath. There are songs about the wrath of God, but we're often encouraged to avoid them because it doesn't sound very good talking about the wrath of God. But we shouldn't. We should be ever reminded that our sin stirs the wrath of God. And his wrath is aimed right at you and right at me, except for the fact that Jesus, who knew no sin, who was the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God, the full and com complete answer, gives his life on the cross so that the wrath of God is turned away from you and from me. Somebody ought to say hallelujah for that tonight. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left what? A crimson stain. But he washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Is that anybody's testimony? Is anybody with me tonight? Praise the one who paid your debt and raised your life up from the dead. The cross made the difference for you. And the cross made the difference for me. Therefore, I'm inviting you to come to the cross tonight. But I don't want you to come empty-handed. I'm inviting you to bring five things with you, and then we will close. Come to the cross and bring your sin. Good Friday must be a day of repentance. The good news is for those who believe on his name, which is to say for those who have come to him by repenting of their sin. It's a turning away, turning away from the direction that you were walking in, a repentance of your sin. How can we gather around the cross and remember Jesus' death for us because of our sin without searching our hearts and our souls for the places where we have turned away, for the times we've been disobedient, for the habits that we entertain that are wrong, for the inappropriate conversations in which we engage? Why do we carry our sin so long with us and carry it for so long? Why does it take us so long to come to the place of repentance when he's provided wonderfully and fully for us? Instead of quickly running to Jesus, instead of running to the cross where we find forgiveness, sometimes we carry our sin around. We get almost accustomed to it. We may feel bad about it. We may feel some shame. We're ashamed to admit that, yes, we did it again. Yes, we did it again. You know, that's, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like getting all dressed up for a very important engagement or an important party. 
And then as you walk out of the door of your house, you, you see a big mud pile and you jump right in it. And you wallow around in it. And for, for whatever reason, you, you, you stay there. Instead of running back inside and getting cleaned up, you sit there feeling bad about how awful now you look after having been all cleaned up. Feeling sorry for ourselves, feeling ashamed. While we're sitting there, we're missing the party. While we're sitting there, we're missing out on all God has made provision for us. And the festival is going on without us. So the invitation is to you tonight. Come to the cross. But as you come, bring your sin. Let's hurry back and quickly get cleaned off. Come quickly to the cross when we have sinned and confess it and ask for forgiveness. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my attitude, for, for my insensitivity, for speaking ill of my brother or my, or my sister, for whatever. Our Lord promised through John that if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just and for, will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. And here's the strange thing, church. When you come to the cross and bring your sin, you're going to find it's already there. What is it that we sing? My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but what? What's happened to it? It is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Come on, put your hands together and bless the Lord. We bear it no more. We'll find that Jesus already carries it. It's already been on his shoulders. The penalty has already been paid. He's just waiting for us to let it go and to trust him with it and then to walk away free and whole. So come to the cross and bring your sin and receive forgiveness. Come to the cross tonight and bring your thankfulness. That's the second thing I invite you to bring to the cross tonight is your gratitude. Imagine, if you will, you're in the courtroom, and you've been sentenced to death. Imagine that you had committed a crime for which death was the punishment, and you hear the, the verdict, guilty, and you hear the sentence, death, and then right away you hear something else. A man in the back of the room steps forward, walks up to the guards who have you by the arm and gently pulls the guard's hands off of you. And he offers his wrists. And they place the cuffs on him and march him off to prison in your place. And you are free to go because another has taken your place. How would you feel toward that man if that had taken place? Undoubtedly, you would feel gratitude. You would feel indebted. But then even years later as you watched your children grow and your friendships deepen and, and your faces aging in the mirror as it happens to all of us, you would know, you would remember that someone else gave their life so that you could live yours. Imagine that feeling and bring that to the cross tonight. Bring your deepest gratitude. There's a third thing I invite you to bring to the cross. Bring your burdens. In the book, Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan describes how the pilgrim realizes his guilt and lostness. Saddled to his back is a heavy burden of sin and shame. 
I fear that this burden upon my back will sink me lower than the grave, he says, staggering under its weight. But then he approaches a hill called Calvary. Up this way, therefore did burdened Christian run, but not without great difficulty because of the load on his back. He ran thus till he came to a place somewhat ascending, and upon that place stood a cross, and a little below in the bottom, a sepulcher. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up with the cross, his burden loosed from his shoulders and fell from off his back and began to tumble, and so continued to do till he came to the mouth of the sepulcher, where it fell in, and I saw it no more. What a picture. As we come to the cross, all of the burdens we carry, all of the sorrows, all of the things which weigh us down and threaten to sink us can literally slide off of our back, tumble down into the the hill, into the mouth of the grave. But there is one thing that we have to do. We have to let it go. We have to give up our burdens to Christ. You know, with me, everything evokes a song. We used to sing, leave them there, leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so the invitation is to you tonight. Come to the cross. Bring your burdens. If you're feeling burdened with the pressures of life, with sorrow, with heartache, with pain, do you feel pressed on every side, perplexed, hunted down, knocked down? Then hear the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 where he says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. Through suffering, these bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. As much as the cross is a place of death, it is paradoxically also a place of life. That's what Paul says in that last verse. We share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus in us may also be seen. And that leads us to the fourth thing that I invite you to bring tonight. Come to the cross and bring your friends. Bring your friends. There should not be any time of the year, anything that we do, church, in the church calendar, as we are doing tonight, that reminds us of the importance of being witnesses to those that are in our world, to those to whom God has given us influence or any kind of voice. This is the time, more than ever, that we should speak of the wonder and the majesty of King Jesus and what He has done. The life we have in Christ needs to be seen, it needs to be shared, it needs to be made known. As we come to the cross, we bring our sin and our burdens, experience a thankful heart for all that Jesus has done. So how how can we keep that to ourselves? How can we keep from letting others know what Christ has done for us? That is the simple essence of being a witness, sharing what Christ has done. You remember the story, I think I referenced it on Sunday, about the man born blind whom Jesus healed in John chapter 9. 
The Pharisees investigating the healing started asking him and, and his parents a bunch of questions about Jesus and could he possibly be a sinner. And the man simply replied this. He said, you know, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. All I know is this. Once I was blind, but now I can see because of what Jesus has done. And therefore, I want to give testimony. I want to give voice. I want to make it known to all what Jesus has done. You don't need a theological argument all laid out. You don't need some easy pat answers to everything. You simply need to share what Jesus has done for you. So bring others to the cross. Bring them first in prayer, asking Jesus to open the eyes of their hearts to make them receptive to the message of the hope that we have in the cross because only Jesus can do that. You know that, church? He's the only one that can open a heart. That's why we pray diligently. That's why we ask for the Holy Spirit to do that which we cannot do. Lord, open the eyes of their heart. Open the eyes of their understanding. And finally tonight, I invite you to come to the cross and bring your heart. I'm not sure why we do it, but for some of us, we, we hold back. We give part of ourselves to God, but, but, but not all. We want Him to be Lord in some areas. Sounds good. Think it'll work out well. Happy for him to take control of this and this and this and this. We want to follow when it's easy and comfortable. But he is calling us to follow him always. Bring all of our heart, everything that we have, all of us to him. All of it must be brought to the foot of the cross. During Jesus' last week, a Pharisee came to test Jesus with a question. He said, which is the greatest commandment in the law. And Jesus replied, where's Josh? Jesus replied, what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I mentioned Josh because he's been talking about this in chapel with the students recently. The operative word here is all. Bring it all. Don't leave some little part that's that which you maintain control over. He's asking for it all. When we come to the cross, we bring everything that we have to him, everything. As you come to the cross tonight and take a close look, one thing should be clearly evident to all of us, and that is this. He held nothing back from us, nothing. He gave it all, and in return, he asks for all of us. So let him be Lord of all. So come to the cross tonight, church. Bring your sin. Bring your burdens. Bring your thankfulness or your gratitude. Bring your friends. And above all, bring your heart. And the church said amen.